0: Dear Lord, we realize just that lately everything's changing too damn fast. And, and all sorts of things are always the same, even things we hated, like shoveling the turkey and stuffing the snow and going through the same crap year in and year out. Honey, food's getting cold. As I was saying, dear Lord, before my wife interrupted me, even those old-fashioned pain in the ass traditions like Thanksgiving, which really means something to us, even though we couldn't tell you what it is, Are starting to stop. And thousand year old trees are falling over dead. And they shouldn't. That's all from this end. Amen.
1: Amen. A
2: woman.
0: That was absurd. Let's eat dead birds.
2: This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Hope you're out there uh, playing football with the uh, in the malls, cross-body blocks, tackles, uh, trips and falls. Uh, someplace I'm not. Someplace I'm not this weekend. Uh, Don and I are up in Mammoth enjoying snowy weather, snowy weather, while you guys are down here, uh, enjoying Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll, we're probably still on the we're probably enjoying the same trip to van, uh trip to fan hangover that you are, but we're just in the altitude, so it's probably worse. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, and uh, uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to be thankful for this year. You know, what, uh, we have a wall of gratitude up in our office, and I I put up a leaf on there and say I'm grateful. Because Trump is gonna make America great again. Actually, I'm uh grateful that we are gonna make America great again. Trump's just gonna help make it possible. He's gonna open the gates. He's gonna take off the shackles so that we can actually uh uh you know do something do something productive. Do something great and teach our kids and teach our uh, and show the world, show all the show all the dummo craps that um that don't understand how life works, how happy they're going to be when they have jobs, how happy they're going to be when taxes go down and there's more people spending money. And, uh, there's more, there's more money to be spent by those who are spending it. There's more money to hire new people by those employers. And there's, uh, just more to go around how much better life will be for everybody. Uh, nobody understand all they you know, everybody can't, people can't, can't see past the end of their nose. They can't think past the end of the week. You know, what am I going to do this weekend? How am I going to, how am I going to get, uh, how am I going to get the money I need to, uh, go to, go to the movies this weekend with my, with my girlfriend, or how am I going to take my kids out to, uh, whatever. You know what? When Trump, when Trump starts to, uh, re result, um, how do I say it? When the Trump starts to, to, uh, Overhaul the government and take their shackles off of us, much like Reagan did. Um, and of course, the Democrats came in and, and screwed it back up because they just couldn't leave well enough alone. Um, when uh, when he does that, things are going to start to change, and it's not all going to be hearts and hearts and flowers. All at first it's gonna take a little extra you know, people are gonna go back to work and they go, Oh man, I don't get to stay home and smoke weed and and watch Oprah or whatever's on during the week the during the afternoon now. I had to go to work to get that same paycheck I used to get for free. They don't understand how good they're gonna feel. So anyway, I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, but first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Based right here in the Inland Empire, offices all over Southern California. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. Um, whether that's uh, buying buying a new house, refinancing one you have, vacation homes, investment properties, reverse mortgages, all that stuff, we do it all. And if uh, you hear something that sounds like common sense, you want to talk to someone that on those financing things that things like you, then call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, find me at WCC Loans. Have all kinds of mortgage information there. You'll find my contact information and just. Uh, go on there and click apply. It'll uh, give my contact information and you tell me how much you, how much you need to know and give me as much information as you want me to know. And I'll help solve your, uh, solve your, uh, solve your problem there, or uh, help fill in the pieces, the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, go to ed dot and click on the podcast page. Uh, the, 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 the website edhoffman.net. has been a little redesigned, so it's not the, the listen list the main event. Now it has actually a page of podcasts. You can also get the main main event on podcasts from on SoundCloud or iTunes. Go to iTunes, search uh, Ed Hoffman or the main event or Ed Hoffman the main event, and uh, click apply. Uh, and you can subscribe for free, have it download automatically to your computer, your iPhone, your iPad, your iWatch, or your, iPhone, whatever you get your thing on. Listen to it anytime you want. Uh, be sure to connect the show with on, connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com, the main event, Ed Hoffman. Last week on the way out, I said, hey, happy Thanksgiving and remember blah, blah, blah about about how, uh, how we learned about socialism in uh, the 1620s at the original Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and I thought I'd read the whole story to you. Uh, John Stossel, mon, many of you uh, remember him from ABC, and he's on Fox News. I think he's not on Fox Business now, has the Stossel Show. He wrote an article a few years ago, and it's in his book. Um, I think the book's called No, They Can't. He put this in there. He also has this on the Internet. But John Stossel wrote it. And remember, John Stossel is a, is a libertarian, which is about as pure conservative as you can get. Basically, it's conservative, financially financially secure, uh, economically conservative, and socially liberal. So it's kind of like as much uh, get-out-of-my-face uh, government as you can get. So he writes, Had today's political class been in power in 1623... Now remember, the, the Pilgrims landed in November of 1620 at Plymouth Rock. The first Thanksgiving was in 1623, three years later. Had today's political class been in power in 1623... This last Thursday's holiday would have been called Starvation Day instead of Thanksgiving. Of course, most of us wouldn't be alive to celebrate it. Every year around this time, school children are taught about that wonderful day when the pilgrims and the Native Americans shared the fruits of the harvest. But the first Thanksgiving in 1623 almost didn't happen. Long before the failure of modern socialism, the earliest European settlers gave us a dramatic demonstration of the fatal flaws of collectivism. Unfortunately, few Americans today know of it. The Pilgrims at Plymouth Colony organized their farm economy along communal lines. The goal was to share the work and produce equally. That's why they nearly nearly all starved. When, when people can get the same return with less effort, most people make less effort. Plymouth settlers faked illness rather than working the common property. Some even stole, despite their Puritan convictions. Total production was too meager to support the population, and famine resulted. This went on for two years. So, as it well appeared, the famine must still ensue the next year also, if not some way prevented, wrote Governor William Bradford in his diary. As you'll notice, the old English speak kind of backwards, kind of like Yoda. The colonists, he said, began to think how they might raise as much corn as they could and obtain a better crop than they had done. That they might not still thus languish in misery. That means that they might not still be hungry at length. After much debate of things, with the advice of the chiefest of them, of them gave, gave way that they should set corn, set corn every man for his own particular. That means every man for himself. And in that regard, trust to themselves and so assign to every family a parcel of land. In other words, the people of Plymouth moved from socialism to private farming. The results were dramatic. This had very good success, Bradford wrote, for it made all hands very industrious. That means uh, they everybody worked hard. So as much corn was planted, so much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. By this time, harvest was come, and instead of famine, now God gave them plenty, and the face of things was changed to the rejoicing of the hearts of many. Because of the change, the first Thanksgiving could be held in November of sixteen twenty-three. What Plymouth suffered under communalism was what economists today call the tragedy of the commons. The problem has been known since ancient Greece. As Aristotle noted, that which is common to the greatest number has the least care bestowed upon it. If individuals can take from a common pot, regardless of how much they put in it, each person has an incentive to be a free rider, to do as little as possible and take as much as possible, because what one fails to take will be taken by someone else. Soon the pot is empty." What private property does, as the pilgrims discovered, is connect effort to reward, creating an incentive for people to produce far more. Then, if there is a free market, people will trade their surpluses to others for things they might lack. Mutual exchange for mutual benefit makes the community richer. So, there's your annual uh, lesson on socialism. Feel free to play that back for your kids, and uh, play it to them, play it for them yearly, monthly, so they understand how this stuff goes as they as they grow up and uh take our country from us and uh take the hand off and take uh, what we uh do in the next 8 years and turn it into something great for themselves. So anyway, <clears throat> let's talk about what's happening in politics now that now that we've talked about all that all that uh all that happy thanksgiving stuff. So uh anyway, uh this this week Donald Trump appointed more cabinet cabinet members. But I first want to address Steve Bannon. Steve, Bannon, I I know I said Steve Barron on the on the radio last week. I knew it's. I know his name is Steve Bannon, but you know sometimes I, my uh, my my uh, mouth moves faster than my brain. So uh, Bannon took over as publisher. Steve Bannon, who's his uh, his chief strategist, and uh, Bannon took over publisher for Breitbart few years ago and somewhere along the way it became it, it became known as alt-right website even though there are jews and gays and other people who wrote wrote the uh, who write for the site and deny this um and i'll tell you that uh one of my employees who just recently became uh politically involved because uh her pastor at church said she should be a republican and i've been telling her that for years um but you know <clears throat> divine intervention at least she's got an open mind now and uh and she came in and said, you know what, uh, I heard that this guy that he that he uh appointed for to his chief strategist is a white supremacist. Is it true? And I said, I'm sure it's not, but I'm not really sure. I you know I haven't really done that much research on on Steve Bannon, and so I'm sure he wouldn't have put a white supremacist there. But I know and I know that the the Democrats seem to uh I don't know, try to inject race into just about everything. And as they talk about the alt-right website, I guess that means white supremacist website, skinheads, Nazis, that kind of stuff, people that hate Jews and, and gays and blacks and every every other uh, minority. You know, but Plenty of people who know Bannon say uh, that that they don't know where all these allegations of white supremacy came from. If you've been watching the media coverage, it looks like all this originated with some people from CNN making it up, you know, the communist news network. Uh, Some people call it the Clinton News Network, but I call it the Communist News Network. Here's ABC's Martha Raddatz Raddatz asking NPR's Steve Inskeep what he learned from his interview with the Breitbart staff.
1: Okay, Steve, a top editor who worked with Steve Bannon, Trump's pick for his chief strategist, Mm -hmm. a very controversial figure, Mm -hmm. told you this week that his former colleague has no prejudices. Will Bannon's association with the so-called alt-right be...
0: Uh, It's it's there and it's real and it's part of the conversation. There was a convention of alt-right people, white supremacists, whatever you want to label them, in Washington this very weekend. That is part of the conversation. And you're correct that people who know Bannon, who spend time with Bannon, say that he doesn't seem to be an overt racist. But he's also someone who in interviews has talked about embracing the dark side uh, of how there is power in the dark side of the argument. And this is a guy who wants to break a lot of China.
2: So whatever that means, he wants to break a lot of China. He wants to uh, be controversial. He wants to uh, he wants to stay say stuff that other people won't. You know, maybe it's uh, good that he's not press secretary. Um, but you know what? People with strong ideas, strong personalities, uh, sometimes say some dumb stuff. Doesn't mean that they're doesn't mean they're bad people. It means sometimes their mouths work faster than their brains. Oh, could that? Relate with somebody who's talking on the radio now. Uh, I will say I've been known to say some stuff that I shouldn't, but uh, but you know what? Because liberals love to cry racism, you know, it's if all else fails, pull the race card. Uh, we had to expect these kind of allegations uh, wouldn't stop at Steve Bannon. Now that Trump has chosen General Mike Flynn to be National Security Advisor, the media is painting a dark picture of him, which is ironic since he's actually a registered Democrat and was originally appointed to Defense Intelligence Agency by uh, Barack Obama. Here's a bunch of people in the media trying to convince us that Flynn is controversial and dangerous just because he recognizes the threat of radical Islam.
1: Flynn is the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, who helped root out terrorist networks during the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's known for ringing early alarm bells about the growing threat of ISIS and for his controversial views on Islam. Mike Flynn has been described, this is by former colleagues, people have worked with him, they did it all anonymously hothead, shallow and reactionary, impulsive, scary, doesn't understand the magnitude of the job. In February, Flynn posted a video listing bombings perpetrated by Muslims with the comment, fear of Muslims is rational.
2: Someone who's attacked Muslims as a group, uh, someone who's tweeted uh, also from the alt-right, basically things that seem racist on their face. Does
1: President-elect Trump agree with General Flynn that fear of Muslims is rational?
2: Does anybody in San Bernardino think that fear of Muslims is rational? I think there's a whole bunch of people uh, coming up on our one year anniversary since the uh the attack of uh uh Saeed Farouk and his wife, uh I don't remember her name, right offhand. Um Tafshin Malik or something like that. That's pretty good from from uh, memory, huh? So uh especially some easy to remember names like that. But you know what, uh I I don't I don't think you know people are afraid to say people are afraid to say that say anything against uh islam or muslims because you know we are the freedom of religion we're the we're the melting pot where you know we came to this country in 1620 and uh you know as we created the united states of america we had freedom of religion and we were judeo christian you got you got jews and christians and catholics and buddhists and muslim and uh, and uh hindus and i haven't heard any of those religions and who knows what ever, ever say kill the infidels. I never heard any of them uh, think that their religion preaches that, uh, you know, for, to, to kill people except for Islam. And they talk about it being such a peaceful religion. I don't see that. And you know what? You're free, you're free to practice whatever religion you, you want, provided it doesn't impose on everybody else. And apparently Islam seems to do that. So I don't think it's that controversial. And apparently uh, the voters don't either. So, uh, but Trump's incoming chief of staff, Reince Priebus, says Flynn's views are what the majority of Americans already believe.
1: There are some people that need to be prevented from coming into this country. So I think that's where 99% of Americans are at.
2: And even New York Times columnist uh, Thomas Friedman has praised for Flynn. I had uh, many
1: encounters with him or several um, uh, in his job as as one of the most intelligent, intelligent officers that we've had. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and Stan McChrystal uh, together created the killing machine that took down uh, Al Qaeda in Iraq. And they did it in an amazing way, basically leveraging big data. You know, they take down a, a terrorist leader. They take his computer and his cell phone. They pour it into a computer, um, find all the links, and then do one raid, and then another, and then another. I don't know this Mike Flynn, but that Mike Flynn is a serious, intelligent guy.
2: So, does anybody think any of that's bad? Does anybody think that uh, that defeating the the ISIS overseas is is not a not a bad not a good idea? I mean, that's the whole idea that we take the war to them so we don't have to fight it here. So uh I don't know. To me, he seems like the right guy. So next Trump named Congressman Mike Pompeo. Pompeo, I'm sorry, the next director of the CIA, a former Army officer. Pompeo is a member of the House Intelligence Committee and was a sharp critic of Hillary Clinton during the congressional investigation into Benghazi. Here's ABC's Martha Raditz again who cried on camera on election night, and she said she feared her deployed son would somehow be in greater danger with Trump as president. She apparently, she's apparently appalled that CIA Director Pompeo would support interrogation techniques, techniques of terrorists.
1: Congressman Pompeo defended CIA's detention yep. and interrogation techniques in the aftermath of 9-11. He said, quote, These men and women are not torturers. They are patriots. The program being used were within the law, within the Constitution.
2: And fortunately, General Michael Hayden, George W. Bush's CIA director who oversaw waterboarding and other advanced interrogation techniques after 9-11, set her straight.
0: Number one, what the congressman said is correct. This is done within the law, done by people who did it reluctantly, not out of enthusiasm, and it produced good intelligence for America.
2: You know what? The only people I've ever seen kill other people and enjoy it, I don't know, Muslims. So can we say that on the radio? They're the only, you know what, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. So, um, and I know some people will say, well, what about, uh, uh, the guy that blew up, uh, um, the, uh, the, the building in Iowa or Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city. Um, you know, you know, there's, there's a, there's fruit loops out there in every, in everything, but you know what I think, I don't think anybody thinks it's unreasonable to, uh, make that comment. And uh, for the highest law enforcement office in the land, Trump has named his loyal supporter Senator Jeff Sessions to the position of Attorney General. Sessions Sessions is from Alabama, so naturally the media is calling him a racist. What else? Fox's Trace Gallagher explains...
0: Jeff Sessions has now been in the U.S. Senate for 20 years, but in 1986, as a Ronald Reagan nominee for federal judge, Sessions spent 21 hours in a Senate confirmation hearing that was replete with allegations of racism, including from a former black assistant U.S. attorney who testified that Sessions routinely called him boy and joked that he supported the KKK before he found out they smoked marijuana. At the time, Sessions called the KKK allegation ludicrous and said using the term boy for a black man was reprehensible. But in the end, the Senate Judiciary Committee rejected him. To this day, Sessions calls the allegations heartbreaking, and his supporters say it should be noted that Jeff Sessions spearheaded the effort to award the Congressional Medal, the nation's highest civilian honor, to those who marched to Selma for civil rights 50
2: years ago. I don't know. It's, it's hard to uh, really see if this guy's a racist. You know, he awards the con- the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor to people that uh, to people that marched at Selma. I don't know. That was a bunch of uh, uh, black civil rights movement people. I don't know. But then he called somebody boy. I don't know. One is one is a pretty good honorable thing, and one is kind of a uh, kind of a. Well, he called somebody boy. Hard to hard to imagine that the guys guy would not be considered a racist there so uh, but Senator, Senator Chuck Schumer who is now the House Minority Leader wants people to know that Sessions is in for a tough Senate confirmation because of uh, what he was accused of in the 80s
1: Many of those statements—they're old, but they're still troubling. And the idea that Jeff Sessions is—is is just because he's a senator, he should get through without a series of very tough questions, particularly given those early, early things—no way.
2: Well, you know what? Chuck Schumer is not all that smart. I'll tell you that he made a comment in uh, this past weekend about, "Hey, you know, what? we're not gonna—we're not gonna repeal the Dodd Frank Act. The do you know what? This stopped the things that really." turned our economy into melting down our whole economy and the world economy and this is just bad stuff. Hey, you know what? Schumer, you don't know what you're talking about. Dodd Frank was a way overreach. Were there problems in the in the uh in the economic sector in the financial industry? Yeah, there were a lot of them and most of them were, were caused by government corruption. That uh, I don't know. One of your colleagues who was having a homosexual affair with one of the co- one of the head guys at Fannie Mae. I don't know. Maybe that. And that's one of the guys that wrote Dodd Frank. I won't say it was Frank, but I was one of those two guys. And uh, African American sheriff uh, David Clark is outraged by the left's defamation of sh- Sessions. I like what he says here.
1: Since I got to know Senator Sessions, worked with him on several issues on Capitol Hill. Look, I wasn't around in 86, but most of those allegations have been discredited up to now. And this, this man, this fine man, and I'm tired of people having their character assassinated by this some this this almost like a sport that the left likes to play. When you can't beat somebody on the merits, just throw the R-word up there and then watch them squeam and squirm and, and try to get out of it. There's only three things in, in life that uh, just a mere allegation of can be career destroying. It's to be accused of being a domestic abuser when it's not true, a child molester when it's not true, or a racist when it's not true.
2: I have to, I uh, have to agree a hundred percent with, uh with Sheriff Clark there. It's, there's a few things that you can, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff you would have thought Hillary Clinton would have put out there. You know, put out anything. Hey, this guy's a sexual molester. This guy's this. This guy's that. They'll say anything because people don't forget that stuff. Oh, oops. I said something wrong. Oh, sorry. So anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Give me five minutes to uh, have something hot to drink. Listen to some commercials, some traffic, some weather, and I'll be right back with part two of the main event. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about a lot of uh, finance and real estate on my show, but that's what I do. So if you hear something that sounds like I think like you and you need some real estate financing, if you need to refinance, if you need to buy a new house, if you need to help your kids get out of your basement, hey, they're going to have jobs now pretty soon. Keep me in mind, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, or if you need a reverse mortgage, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020, or go to WCC Loans and click around and do that stuff that they do. So we've been talking about all the uh, allegations against uh, all the people, and anybody that Donald Trump puts in his cabinet, people are going to criticize You know, people on the the left, that'd be uh, CNN, the Communist News Network, or PMSNBC. Any of those people, all those uh, Democrats. And, of course, then uh, Megyn Kelly seems to be drifting over to that side from Fox. Seems to be drifting over to the dark side. I'm not as much of a fan as I used to be. I don't even think I'm a fan at all anymore. But we're talking about uh, what they're saying about... uh, Jeff Sessions. I left one other clip out. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham uh, smacked down the Democrats on this uh, on uh, Sessions too. Let's uh, play that clip.
1: These attacks on his personal character about him being some kind of closet racist or what he may have said 30 or 40 years ago is complete garbage. Uh, Jeff Sessions is one of the finest people I've ever known. I don't think there's a hateful bone in his body. We have some policy differences, so I'll be glad to challenge Jeff where we disagree but support him uh in terms of him being a good decent man. And to my Democratic colleagues, you better watch what you do here.
2: Yep, think about some of the things that you said 30 or 40 years ago. I don't know. Let's see. Would I say anything dumb when I was 15 or when I was uh, 20? Uh, I would say probably. Think about the stuff that your kids say when you're not listening, when they don't know you're listening and you're just around your, your kids. If you got uh teenage kids or young long, kids in their 20s and they're hanging out with their buddies and they don't know you're listening. I'm sure you uh, understand people say dumb stuff sometimes. So speaking of dumb accusations of racism, the cast of, uh, of Hamilton, Hamilton, the musical, um, Hamilton, the musical is a musical about Alexander Hamilton. And, uh, Don and I have been to New York twice since it's been there. And, uh, once it was sold out And one time, uh, we could actually get tickets, but we had to get them from the resellers and they were like 700 bucks and I went online, and I was going actually gonna buy them, and we were gonna go see it, and because uh, some people told me, "Hey, you're in New York, see it if you can get in." And uh, but with, then I looked online and said, "Hey, it's coming to L.A. in August." Of course, it was August of 2017, and I thought it was August of 2016. So I said, eh, "Let's just get them for a hundred bucks, and when they come to the Pantages in August, we'll see it there. We'll go see something else." I don't remember what we went and saw. It must have been good. Um, oh, we saw The School of Rock, which was really good. So uh wasn't probably quite as uh, patriotic. But um, we wanted to go see it. But uh, Mike Pence went and saw it. And uh, the cast gave Mike Pence a lecture from the stage last weekend. Many of you have heard it, but we're going to talk about it again. And Pence was booed by some audience members as he took his seat. If you haven't heard it yet, here it is.
1: Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we
0: truly thank you for joining us here. are the diverse Americans who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us, our families, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired
1: you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. All
2: they must have known ahead of time because uh, the head guy uh, pulled it out of his pocket and read it to him. Read it to him, and uh, you know what? the The diverse cast is concerned they're not going to be they're not going to be uh, protected by the new administration. Of course, they didn't. None of them went out and voted. Piers, uh, none of these guys voted or were even registered to vote. The class. You know what I like? The classy response. You know what I like? How Republicans handle things in a much more classy manner than Democrats do. Um, But listen to the classy response that Pence gave. Uh, This is just even more proof that Trump picked the right guy for vice president.
1: It was a real joy to be there. And, you know, when we arrived, we heard we heard a, a few boos and we heard some cheers. And I nudged my kids and reminded them that's what freedom sounds like. And um uh, but at the end, I, you know, I, I, I did hear what was said uh, from the stage, and I can tell you, I, I wasn't offended by by what was said. I'll leave to others whether that was the appropriate venue to say it.
2: I would say that wasn't the appropriate venue, and uh, I will tell you, uh, I've been at concerts where, where you know, I go to concerts because I like the music, and um, a lot of the entertainment people are don't see eye to eye with me because and I think the reason for this is they forget how hard they worked to uh, in the early days starving to death and trying to to get into the record business you know the Eagles and uh Don Henley's one of my one of my favorite guys favorite democrats and uh I know that uh Don and I went with another couple to uh see Jackson Brown do a do a uh a show at Pomona University uh just I uh, I don't know a month ago and we said, well, Jackson Brown's a Democrat. Well, if he starts talking politics, we'll just walk out. But we love his music. So he didn't talk politics that night, so that was great. Um, but uh um I I like the classy response and I think and I think about how how when when uh George W. Bush was coming into the White House as the Clintons left left the White House they had had their staff pull all the W's off the keyboards. So they went through and and uh, destroyed keyboards that belonged to us taxpayers. And they popped the W's off the keyboards. And they took uh, they took China and uh, paintings and stuff that were in the White House that didn't belong to them. They had to come back. They had to bring them back. Then uh, Bill Clinton hung around Washington D.C. on Inauguration Day instead of going home because he didn't want to not be in the he didn't want to not be around when there's a party going on. So uh, and then when Bush left the White House, uh, he got on got on the plane and went to Crawford, Texas. Or did he go to uh, he lives in Houston now, Houston or uh, Dallas somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, he went to the ranch first, then they bought a house somewhere in the closer city. So but anyway, uh, uh, but he went they uh, uh, they went out of town and he's been pretty quiet the whole last eight years. And I've seen him speak. I've seen him speak live and he's very careful about not being in, you know, insulting to Obama and uh, even if you saw him on Hannity a couple years back, Hannity tried to get his opinion, he just wouldn't give his opinion. Class act, you know, the, let the president be the president and he doesn't need uh doesn't need the the comments. And of course, uh, you see uh, Barack Obama now going on a worldwide tour, insulting Trump and looking, making, I don't know what he, I don't know what he hopes to accomplish by this worldwide tour or this last international tour. We went to Peru and he went to a couple other countries and, uh, he's flying around air force one, which is $180,000 an hour while it's flying, uh, and taking and going around it. Do you think? People in the other countries care what he care what he has to say now. Hey, you're out of here in, in less than 60 days. Just shut up. Go home and pack. And you know what? The voters made their decisions. Don't worry about your legacy. It's going to be gone like so was George W. Bush's. He liberated Iraq, and you gave it back to ISIS and created ISIS by pulling us all out back, back then. So um, I just noticed that, you know, what a class act the Republicans are and— Versus the Democrats, craps. <clears throat> so anyway, very quickly, let's go over who's still in the running for cabinet positions. For Secretary of Defense, Trump is considering James Mad Dog Mattis, a retired United States Marine Corps general who last served as 11th commander of the United States Central Command from 2010 to 2013. When Obama appointed him, when Obama appointed him to replace uh, General Petraeus, uh, he was known for counterinsurgency during the uh, Iraq War. Um, also if you remember if you've heard heard me interview uh joey jones uh double amputee retired uh eod uh marine um he told me once that when he was out here he said that he would he would support jim mattis for president he thought he's a great guy a, a very very good man and um said he could run our country um so i'm excited about that also uh also, we heard before I recorded that um, Trump offered Secretary of HUD to uh, to Ben Carson, which Ben Carson said he didn't want the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, and he was a doctor. Not sure why he would want Secretary of HUD, although having met Ben Carson and being a big fan of Ben Carson, I think he would probably do well anywhere they put him. Um, Probably by the time this you're hearing this show, he's probably made a decision, yes or no. I would suspect he's going to say no. Um, but compared to uh, uh, the guy who's running it now, uh, Julian Castro, who's a very good speaker, but he sounds just like Barack Obama, um, I'm not a fan. And being in the mortgage business, this the people that are running the HUD just... We need to get some people that have some common sense. I don't, you know, Ben Carson doesn't have any housing experience either, so I don't know where that makes sense. But I would suspect that Ben Carson would at least logically looked at things and he has some common sense. You know, uh, uh, George Bush said, hey, if you to be president, you just need to know what you don't know and surround yourself with people that do know and listen to them. And I think that would actually probably work in just about, just about any position in the government. You just surround yourself with people that do know and make some common-sense decisions. So after Trump's meeting with Mattis over the weekend, Trump said this about Jim Mattis.
0: All I can say is he is the real deal. He is the real deal. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Will he have a place in your administration? We're going to see. He's just a a brilliant, wonderful man. What a career. And uh, we're going to see what happens.
2: As for Secretary of State, Trump insiders are hinting there are only two people still in the running at this point, Rudy Giuliani and Mitt Romney. People seem to think Romney wasn't seriously being considered, but Reince Priebus says he actually is.
1: The meeting with Mitt Romney itself, though, I will tell you, was a very good meeting. It was gracious and personable, and it was very sincere, and it was productive. So I don't, we don't know where it will lead right now, but I can tell you that it was a great first step.
2: But Newt Gingrich, who's in my opinion is one of the smartest guys in politics or maybe the smartest guys, thinks Giuliani will be a better choice.
0: I think he, uh, he wants somebody who is going to go out and be a very tough negotiator for America and represent uh, American interest in the way the Trump campaign I think Probably Rudy is, is a better pick and uh, has the right temperament because uh, we're going to need somebody who's a fighter. We need somebody. The, the world's not going to change uh, just because we show up and say, please, if, if that was going to work, Secretary Kerry, would be
2: successful. Uh, I would agree with that 100 percent. Although uh, I thought Rudy Giuliani, after handling uh, New York City after 9-11, that he would make a good Homeland Security secretary. But um, I guess he has the right attitude and he's a smart guy. And if you've read his book, Leadership, um, he's a really, really good guy. I thought he would be a good president, but he messed up on that campaign in 2008. Um, So meanwhile, the media continues to hold Trump to a double standard that would never have been imposed on Hillary Clinton. Apparently, everything she did to corrupt the office of Secretary of State is fine with the media. But Trump's kids running his business while he's president is not. All week we've heard the media demand that Trump implement a blind trust to ensure his businesses will be, will be separate from the presidency. And all started last Sunday with NBC's Chuck Todd. Here he is grueling Reince Priebus about it on Meet the Press
1: some conflicts of interest his daughter Ivanka was seen pictured at the meeting with uh, the Japanese Prime Minister there is some uh, businessmen from India who have deals with the president-elect's organization Trump organization they had a meeting with the president-elect took pictures of it sort of creating this idea that maybe they'll end up profiting off of the Trump name now that he's president in India how are you organizing a divestment or a blind trust right now uh, of Donald Trump and his businesses? We're not going to get into the details of that, but that is being handled, and there is nothing being discussed of any import. Um, the meeting how do was we know simply that? cursory because you didn't bring the press. Um, in, the meeting by the was way. cursory. But at the end of the day, how does he prove that he's not planning to use the presidency to profit? There have been reports that the Trump Hotel in Washington D.C. that that uh, uh, ambassadors were encouraged. To bring their visiting delegations and have them stay at the Trump Hotel in Washington D.C. Is that true?
2: Hello, can you believe this double standard? You know what? Can you believe it? You know, do they want Trump to to just donate all his all his wealth? Uh, I don't know to uh, the U.S. government or you know he said, well, you're the president, you should sacrifice everything you have. Let's talk about let's talk about Hillary Clinton. No, Hillary Clinton got out of the White House. Her and Bill got out of the White House, broke, dead broke, and they were in debt. But now, now, sixteen years later, they are uh, worth a hundred million plus. I don't know. For people that spent a, a lifetime in public service, how did that happen? Trump's going in rich. They didn't say anything about Hillary Clinton, uh, with everything she did, but they have a problem with Trump. Oh, that's the that's the uh, the bipartisan double standard. In this case, anyone in case anyone has forgotten how Hillary Clinton's businesses would have corrupted the office of the presidency. Hillary used foreign and corporate donations to peddle her influence as Secretary of State. So, of course, she probably would have continued that as president had she been elected. The foundation accepted donations. The Clinton Foundation accepted donations of one to five million dollars from Cutter. Five to ten million dollars from Kuwait and ten to twenty five million from Saudi Arabia, all nations who mistreat women and gays in exchange for giving them access to Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation had at least nine executives that we know of who made salaries of more more than a hundred thousand dollars a year and a total of in the year in the last fiscal year in the fiscal year of two thousand thirteen the last uh the last the last uh financials that we have access to. They spent a total of thirty million dollars in payroll and expenses in two thousand thirteen. Which, on corporate taxes, two thousand thirteen means the year that their fiscal year that ended in two thousand fourteen. So, just so you know, that's uh, two years ago. Chelsea Clinton takes home a Clinton Foundation salary of nine hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's see what could she be doing to to be worth nine hundred thousand dollars a year to a charitable foundation. I don't know. Meanwhile, while she's while she's uh, raising a little a little uh, a little girl at home. I don't know. Seems doesn't seem corrupt to me. Huma Abedin, also known as Huma Wiener, uh, who, of course, would have been Hillary Clinton's chief of staff had she won the election, collected a second salary for her Clinton Foundation work. And because she was already collecting a state department salary as Hillary's top aide, and uh, second salary was second salary and was funneled through the Taneo Holdings. I heard, I heard that she was on salary at the state and at the Clinton Foundation and Taneo Holdings, uh, which is a uh, which is a uh, uh, a consulting firm that Bill Clinton co-founded with his aide Doug Band. So I don't know. Do you hear? Do you hear anything corrupt about that? Do you hear? You know what? Hey, the Clinton Foundation does lots of good stuff and. That's not personal stuff. That's uh, that's the donations that we use to do charitable stuff for people. Except for they pay consultants. They pay consultants to negotiate drug uh, drug prices for AIDS victims, and they call that stuff. Well, you know what? They we we negotiated so it was affordable for for people with HIV to get their drugs. Well, how did you negotiate? We hired a negotiating firm of Tena Holdings, which Bill Clinton gets paid for. It. I don't know. It sounds like a uh, like a front to funnel money out of the foundation uh, to themselves uh, after they get a tax deduction for uh, doing that. And the media is worried about Trump's businesses and family interests might corrupt the presidency. Hello. If that doesn't make you mad, you should check your pulse. You might be dead. Tuesday morning, Trump released the first 100 days video that addressed national security, ending abuses of visa programs, canceling restrictions on energy production, and withdrawing from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Let's play the whole video. I think it was uh, pretty good, and it's about two and a half minutes.
0: Today, I would like to provide the American people with an update on the White House transition and our policy plans for the first 100 days. Our transition team is working very smoothly, efficiently, and effectively. Truly great and talented men and women, patriots indeed, are being brought in, and many will soon be a part of our government, helping us to make America great again. My agenda will be based on a simple core principle, putting America first. Whether it's producing steel, building cars or curing disease, I want the next generation of production and innovation to happen right here on our great homeland, America, creating wealth and jobs for American workers. As part of this plan, I've asked my transition team to develop a list of executive actions we can take on day one to restore our laws and bring back our jobs. It's about time. These include the following. On trade, I am going to issue our notification of intent to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a potential disaster for our country. Instead, we will negotiate fair bilateral trade deals that bring jobs and industry back onto American shores. On energy, I will cancel job-killing restrictions on the production of American energy, including shale energy and clean coal, creating many millions of high-paying jobs. That's what we want That's what we've been waiting for. On regulation, I will formulate a rule which says that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated. So important. On national security, I will ask the Department of Defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to develop a comprehensive plan to protect America's vital infrastructure from cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. On immigration... I will direct the Department of Labor to investigate all abuses of visa programs that undercut the American worker. On ethics reform, as part of our plan to drain the swamp... We will impose a five-year ban on executive officials becoming lobbyists after they leave the administration, and a lifetime ban on executive officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. These are just a few of the steps we will take to reform Washington and rebuild our middle class. I will provide more updates in the coming days as we work together to make America great again for everyone, and I mean everyone.
2: You know what I thought that uh, video was uh was very uh, positive and for those of you that listen to it and go I don't know what some of that stuff's going to do it's going to do a lot for the for those of us that understand business and understand actually pay attention to what's going on in this country um some of those some of those things he has on his are so, some of those things that he had on his list are going to do a lot um But you know what? As soon as the video was released, the critics were pointing out the promises that he had campaigned on repealing Obamacare, building the wall, and locking up Hillary were missing. Here's one of my least favorite people in the whole world, Democrat strategist Julie Roginski, who uh, eh, is about as nauseating, nauseating as you can get, pretending to be a disappointed Trump voter.
1: I I want the wall. I expect the wall. He ran on the wall. I want him to repeal Obamacare on day one. I believe that was a commitment that he made. Uh, I expect that to happen. I expect him to deport 11 million um, illegal immigrants. He said that he's going to do that. I expect those things to happen. And more importantly, I didn't vote for him, but his voters expect that to happen. And And so when I hear things like this, if I were a Trump voter, I'd be a little concerned that all the reasons I voted for him, whether it's because of the wall or because of illegal immigration, or because of the repeal of Obamacare. I haven't heard one word about that yet. If he's doing a video like he just did, he could have addressed those people, and, and, and they deserve to hear it.
2: Well, you know what? I am a Trump voter, and I don't have any doubt that It's not going to happen in the first 100 days to build a wall that's uh, that long and that big, and I can guarantee you that he's going to build a wall, and I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about that, but you know what? He's trying to be positive and keep everything keep everything steady and stop the and keep the rhetoric to a to a minimum till he can uh, till he can create some positive experiences and start gaining gaining the other half of the country that's not as happy as I am, kind of kind of gain their trust. And he already made an immigration thing, an uh, immigration speech, saying he's not going to deport 11 million people. They're going to start picking up the the bad guys and the bad. Hey, if you're if you've got a if you've got a history, you're here illegally, and you start committing crimes over here, you're out of here. And of course, I don't know why that's gonna why he's going to do that first anyway, because you got to build the wall so they don't just come right back back over. Oh yeah just make laws that gun people so people can't get guns and they won't get them. Yeah, the law-abiding citizens won't, but these people commit the uh, things but you know what my biggest deal is that I want to hear is that he's going to go after Hillary and put her in jail. I'm hoping he doesn't back off on that. My my thought is that he's that he's backing off for the for the uh benefit of uh Barack Obama not worrying about it and so he doesn't pardon her till uh january 21st when trump can now go okay now that obama's out of here he didn't partner now i'm the president now let's go after crooked hillary and put her behind bars but uh anyway i'm all out of time for this uh portion of the, or this episode of the main event so uh listen to some of the regulatory stuff that comes on after i say goodbye and uh i'll be back again with you next week